0: Turning your Bibles to Ephesians, the third chapter, we're going to read a prayer prayed for this church by the Apostle Paul. This church was very dear to him. He first encountered them in Acts chapter 18 on his second missionary journey, and then he went back again in Acts 19, spent a longer period of time. And then he made connections with their leaders in a neighboring city in Acts chapter 20, which is quite something to hear on the subject of leadership. And now he writes them this letter. This is a very special church. It eventually would be pastored by the Apostle John and also led by an overseer named Timothy, who was one of Paul's protégés, and addressed in a personal letter from the Lord Jesus Christ, who praised them for all their good works in the book of Revelation, but rebuked them for leaving their first love. We'll come back to that. But right now, let's read this prayer. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. We have earthly families that give us names, right? I'm Alada. That came from my father's side, which came from his father's side, which came from his grandfather's side, which came from his great-great-grandfather's side. If you ever dig into your family tree, the further up you go, every generation doubles And the percentage you have of ladder gets smaller and smaller. So when you read that, you don't feel like much of a ladder. But with the Lord's name, oh, yeah, we're his. Mine, he says. Righteous. He labels us. Some people curse their kids. The Lord blesses us. Uh, One of the Greek words for name means to call. He calls us. It's not just our calling, but it's what he calls us. We are his beloved. So he prays for this reason to the Father of Jesus, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that, and here's the prayer, he would grant you according to the riches, that's the vast wealth of his glory, to be strengthened with might. Through his spirit in the inner man. We have an inner man with which we commune with God. We live in a three-dimensional world, but there's another dimension, the dimension of the spirit in which we relate to God who lives outside of time and space. And God can strengthen us through his spirit. When you worship the Lord and you encounter his presence is made real to you at that point, there's a strength and encouragement that comes. Who got encouraged today? There's encouragement that comes, and so Paul's praying that according to his riches in glory, that those at Ephesus, and it's extended to us because the Holy Spirit inspired him to write this letter, to be strengthened. God doesn't want us to be weak. He wants us to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man. We all have circumstances from time to time that we'd like to see changed, but this is strength that's in spite of circumstances, you know, if you win the lottery, you're excited for a while till your whole world falls apart by all the people coming to you that won't leave you alone, and the kinfolks that are mad at you, and then you use your borrowing power, and before you know it, you're in bankruptcy. It's happening all the time. Watch the news. That's not joy. This is joy that is joy unspeakable. It's sustained by the Holy Spirit in the inner man. And it's not just spiritual experiences. It's an inner knowing. It's a settledness. It's a resting in him. Come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Something the law could never do. Something the Sabbath could never do is settle us, found us, put us on a rock so that no matter what comes, we trust him and we are made strong. So that's his first prayer. The second prayer is that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. This is how I got saved, by inviting Christ into my heart. I know asking Jesus in your heart, sometimes it gets overdone by some zealous evangelist. They tell people to ask Jesus in your heart, and then they say Jesus is in your heart, and you're saved, and then you never see them again in anything that has to do with Jesus. And they're sitting at home today, sipping suds, saying I'm saved right on their way to hell. There's no relationship with Jesus. He really didn't come in to their life. Yet, on the other hand, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater, there is a place for asking Jesus to come and be your Lord, asking Him into your life, asking Him into your heart, with all your heart asking Him, not just a repeat-after-me prayer or somebody's formula, a magic phrase, it's asking the real Lord Jesus Christ to come and dwell in your heart by faith, and Paul prayed that this would be a reality for believers. And then here's the next prayer. That you, being rooted and grounded, that's a double metaphor. I mean really established in love. That's agape love. It's the highest form of love in the Greek language. It's God's love. It's who God says he is. Love is not God, but God is love. And that we would be established in this. This is Again, strengthening us with might in the inner man. He's, he's praying the same thing, kind of related to what he prayed earlier. So being rooted and grounded in love, verse 18, may be able to comprehend. Can you say understand? Amen. With all the saints. He's praying this for everybody. So this does include us. What is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all, let's say all, all all the fullness. He just doesn't want you to be filled. He wants you to be filled with fullness. He doesn't just want you to be filled with fullness. He wants you to be filled with all the fullness of God. And I think this is all related to our understanding God's love. What is the width and length and depth and height? Now we live in this Three-dimensional world, length, width, and height, or depth, however you want to look at it. Time is often called the fourth dimension, and so if that's the case, then the God dimension would be the fifth dimension. Who's heard of a band called the fifth dimension? And I think they were referring to the subject of love. Today is National Lover's Day. Husbands, if you missed out on Valentine's Day, today's your second chance anyway. What is the width of God's love? What is the width? His love causes him to remove our transgressions from us, to make us clean. And Psalms says he removes our transgressions from us as far as the east is from the west. You can't measure that. Head east. When will you stop heading east? Never until you run out of gas, right? Fly above the earth's surface and just go east as far as you can. And that's how far he removes our sins from us. If it was far as the north is from the south, then you could say, God takes our sins from us 12,000, almost 500 miles away. Isn't that awesome? And that would be awesome. But this is God's love is expressed to us in the dimension of the width. You can't measure it. How long is God's love? Now, here's where you get into the time dimension, because you measure God's love in the realms of time. As we understand it, God has always been he's not captive to time and space, but for our understanding, he reveals himself with this truth that Jesus was a lamb slain for the sins of the world because of his love from the foundation of the world. So from the beginning, God had a plan to demonstrate, we'll see in a minute, his love for us from the very beginning. And it's continuing now. It continued through the flood. It continued through Abraham. It continued through Moses. It continued through the life of Christ, demonstrating God's love through him, personified. And God's love by not roasting the planet when they abused his son. And God's love on the cross. God's love on the empty tomb. God's love at the, at the ascension. You know, when Jesus ascended, he had his hands raised. Read it, Luke 24, his hands were raised. He was speaking blessing. The last thing they saw of him, was him blessing them, speaking loving words. Lord, keep you. The Lord bless you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And then when he arrived in heaven, 10 days later, he sends back the Holy Spirit, an incredible expression of God's love. And he continues to express his love to us and through us into the ages to come, from the foundation of the world into the ages to come. That's pretty long, isn't it? How deep is his love? Now, we know skyscrapers tend to be taller than they are deep, and that's kind of how God's love is. But God's love is is more deep than the death of a skyscraper because it starts from his throne, comes to our groan, to the lowest part of the earth in terms of the earth's elevation. Galilee is the lowest freshwater lake in the world in terms of elevation. So he came down. That's pretty deep, isn't it? You measure depth from the starting point down to its bottom point. But he didn't stop there. He lived the life of a servant. He took the place of a criminal. He was slandered, abused, robbed, misrepresented, misunderstood, tortured, and put to death and put in the earth. And it didn't stop there, and I don't quite understand it, but the scriptures say he went to Hades. So he went to the abode of the dead. That's deep. From the throne to the groan. That is the depth of God's love. How high is God's love? Well, God's love is measured from its starting point to its highest point, right? So he starts from that lowest of points and goes back up, proves himself alive for 40 days, then ascends. Back to the throne where he received a name above every name, having a higher position than he had before he left. So his love is higher than it is deep. Tell someone, you are loved. May the Lord help us to grasp that. Now, if you've come to church here very long at all, you've probably heard me preach on that. I mentioned it a couple times a year probably. It's my prayer that every member of this congregation is able to preach the love of God spontaneously. Because God's love is awesome. To know his love, it passes knowledge. It is beyond our understanding that we may be filled with his fullness, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints, to know the love of Christ, which passes understanding. I'd like to speak to you today on honoring the love of God, honoring the love of God. God's love for us is our basis for believing, this is the milk of the gospel. May you never get away from it. The love of God is our milk. It's our foundation. The will of God is our meat. Jesus said, My meat is to do the will of him who sent me. Don't get the milk confused with the meat. Don't think you're loved because you do the will of God. No, you you do the will of God because you're loved. He is our foundation. And so this is not shallow stuff. This is strong stuff. Milk develops babies, makes us mature. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So why did he give his only begotten son? Because of his love. So that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. All this is because he so loved the world. Now are there are people who want to argue with this and say, well, when he says world, it doesn't mean everybody. No, it means everybody. I'm sorry. It just does. Those that believe that do not understand God's love. So we try to whittle him down to our understanding and get the two covenants confused. And here we go. His love is where we should be residing. We're to to live in this place. This is our foundation for living. In John 15, Jesus said, while talking about the vine, he said, as a father loved me, I also have loved you. Let me ask you a question. Did the father love his son? Did the God who is love, love the son he sent us? Love his word made flesh? Yes. And that kind of love, Christ has loved us abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So one of his commandments is to live loved, to live in his love. This is a major problem in the lives of believers, not really letting it sink in deep, believing that God loves you so that when disappointment comes, you just fall apart. Wait a minute. You have a father that loves you. The story's not over. Give him some credit for taking care of business. Now, in his love, he's, he's given us his body, his people, so that there is a place to reach out when you need help. So never rebuke a brother or sister that reaches out for help. Don't you know God loves you? You know, suck it up, cupcake, just do this all by yourself. That's not love. Because we are so loved that we are looking for a place to express that to others. You ever been so encouraged you just can't help but encourage somebody else? That's how we're to live. Well, pastor, this sounds like narcissism. No, it doesn't. Narcissists believe they are worthy of being bowed down to. They believe they're worthy of God's love. They believe they never sinned. I mean, that's how extreme they can get. No, we who appreciate God's love know that in ourself there dwells no good thing. We were dead in trespasses and sins. We needed a savior, and God in his mercy has chosen to love us. Oh my goodness, this is awesome. Jesus prayed God's love would be in us. In his prayer in John 17, in the upper room, he prayed, and I have declared to them your name and will declare it, that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. So just as much as we want Christ in our life, we need to want the realization that God loves us to settle Deep within our psyche, ruling over our inner man, that I know, 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 that I, know, that I, know. I am loved. Amen. Hallelujah. Nothing to be prideful for, but everything to be thankful for. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. This love is demonstrated in Christ's death. For while we were still weak, Romans 5 verse 6 says, at the right time, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Some people might give their life for someone who's worthy, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So against the backdrop of my wickedness, here comes a love of God. Like a diamond on black velvet, it is greatly displayed. When someone hurts us, disappoints us, annoys us, this is an opportunity for us to demonstrate God's love. It is. Now, when you're raising children, God's love is, de- is demonstrated with discipline. Right? He doesn't want us to raise spoiled brats. So this love doesn't spoil us. He loves us just like we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. So we're not what we were, and we're not where we're gonna be, but we're on our way by the grace of God because of his love. So we do not grow in order to be loved. We grow because we are loved. A child that is secure in their father and mother's love can develop more holy. Holy completely. And so if we come to the Lord with, you know, the way maybe our parents didn't do it right, you're tended to think you got to work, you got to perform in order to be loved. And when you mess up, when you stumble, when you rebel, you think it's all over and you got to run and get that feeling, get that reassurance. The fact remains he loves you anyway and he wasn't surprised when you messed up. Whether you did it intentionally or unintentionally, or someone made you mad and you think you have an excuse, God loves you and he knows how to bring you through to make you more like himself. Who's like the person they were when they were saved? Some of us were saved recently. But the further we go in Christ, we'll become different. What is doing that? His love transforms us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Romans 8:35. who shall separate us from the love of Christ? It's a rhetorical question. What's the answer? Nothing. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword or troubles or the economy, if gas goes up to $8 a pint, are we going to lose our minds? Not going to be excited, but the truth is we're going to make it. Our forefathers did. You're made of good stuff. And your heavenly Father knows what you have need of. Yet in all these things, verse 37, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, or any other created thing Shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, let's say you got some really bad news. You can get such bad news that you despair of life because along with that bad news comes all these extra thoughts. The enemy likes to take credit for things that he had nothing to do with. In the town of Philippi, where Paul and Silas are preaching the gospel, This damsel with a demon followed them around and began to proclaim, these men are proclaiming the way of salvation. These men are proclaiming the way of salvation. Listen to them. They're telling you the truth. What was it? That was some demon trying to piggyback or take credit for selling the truth. Finally, Paul got vexed and cast the demon out of her, and she couldn't tell fortunes anymore. Well, the enemy sometimes wants to take credit for our problems look what I did to you. You suck. Look what you did to yourself. You you are not worthy of God's blessing. God doesn't love you anymore. Whatever these thoughts are that come along with this bad news, this is a devil trying to piggyback on bad news. Let the bad news stand for itself and realize you are loved by God and the story's not over. And sometimes a second opinion can change the whole thing anyway. We have been predestined to be beloved. Just as he chose us in him, earlier in this book, the first chapter, verse four, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. See, that's the starting point before the foundation of the world. Having predestined us to adoptions as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Now, corporately, saints, we are the bride of Christ. We're not the brides of Christ. Christ isn't a polygamist. He has one bride, his church, right? But individually, we're the sons of God. Now, ladies, you can call yourself a daughter of God, but you can also call yourself part of the sons of God because the sons got all the inheritance rights in that culture. So you have all the rights and privileges of a son, so you are part of the company of the sons of God. Jesus has done this. Why? Because it's the pleasure of his will. When you love someone, it is your pleasure to bless them, right? Now, there's a God's chicken place here in town that when you ask them to do something, they'll say, with pleasure. That may not be because they love you so much, but it's because they're trained and they love their job. And, but the point is, the Lord, when He loves us, He does it with pleasure because He really loves us. To the praise of the glory of His grace, that's His unmerited favor, by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. The word there, accepted, is the Greek word karitao, which is only in the New Testament one other time. And it came from the lips of the angel that visited the virgin named Mary, who told her to rejoice, highly favored one. Rejoice, old one. It's not the proper Greek for it. But she was highly graced to the point she was going to have the Son of God as her baby. That's an honor, isn't it? Well, that same high grace has been extended to us to make us part of the beloved. So to be in the beloved, I think we need to be loved. Well, this is girly stuff here you're talking about, preacher. I'm good. I got it all good. Oh, hush. You cry yourself to sleep on your big pillow at night anyway. You know it. We need to know we are loved by God. I'm sorry, I went too far there, pardon me. (laughs) If we're part of his beloved, let's be loved. Let's say someone slights you. Now, do they really slight you or was it an oversight? Well, if they loved me, they wouldn't have done that. Well, people have errors, right? And sometimes they have blind spots that you have to point out. Let's do that. But let's not fall apart where we leave relationship after relationship after relationship because people offend us or slight us. And no, you are loved by God. If God loves me, who cares who offends me? It's true. So when I get offended, it's a signal to run to the Father and get it out of me. say, now, Lord, did the person intend on doing it? Do I need to go talk to them? Do I need to? Yeah, I'll leave that alone. God is merciful because of his great love. But God, earlier in the previous chapter, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. So why is he rich in mercy? Because of his great love with which he loved us. He doesn't just love us, he loves us with his great love. He doesn't sing the song, I love you too much to ever start liking you, so don't expect me to be your boyfriend. No, he is a lover of our soul. He loves us with his great love. Verse 5, even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So his love is so high, he lifts us up too, so that in the ages to come, from the foundation of the world to the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. This love of God is an invitation into a relationship that never stops. Today is National Lovers Day, and it's so shallow in our culture. I didn't want to put up a slide to promote it because you'd be reminded of an old lover that left you. God won't leave you nor forsake you, and nothing can separate you from his love. Amen. This motivates me, I don't know about you, motivates me to want to live a life of faith and obedience. I want to please him, yet I know I'm his pleasure because he loves me, not because of my worthiness. Some people live condemned simply because they don't know how loved they are. Some people condemn others simply because they do not know how loved the others are. It's hard to give away what you don't have. Meanwhile, it's there for you and I to enjoy the Bible has an even number of verses. So it has middle two verses. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul begins the second half of the Bible if you divided it in half in terms of the number of sentences. Bless the Lord, O my soul and forget not all his benefits. Don't forget his benefits. Pastor Shake Anderson, he served as our worship pastor here for eight years, told me this amazing story. He was part of a band that traveled across the country, young band, and he was an old guy on the band, the black guy on the van. these young white guys, and he was their bass player. And they traveled across the country, pulling a U-Haul trailer, riding in an international scout. Now he's a big guy, like six, what is he, six-five, something like that, crammed into that thing. They suffered driving from coast to coast. And uh, opening for people like, Uh, Bruce Hornsby and Bonnie Raitt, some big names, who are traveling in tour buses. Meanwhile, they are suffering in this this deal, and they're opening acts for this. And so, Shake read the fine print on the contracts and said, Guys, we have a bus available to us just to ask. Look, it says right here, No, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, we have to suffer to make it. We don't have the big name, blah, 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 till... Their scout broke down, and they rented a big U-Haul truck and had all their gear in it, and there wasn't room in the truck for everybody, so they set up a bed up in Grandma's attic. Who's seen a U-Haul truck? They're like 26 foot long, and so the little compartment up over the cab is called Grandma's attic, and so they set up a mattress area there, and one night, Shake was sleeping in Grandma's attic, and they had a flat or a wreck or something and got ran off the road, and Shake falls out of Grandma's attic on top of the gear. So they, then they had to call the tour directors who sent a big tour bus for them. And they finished out the tour riding in style. How many times do we live below our privileges because we do not know our benefits? You are loved, so be loved, beloved. All right, I think I've said that enough. I'm an exhorter like my mom. My mom could preach 101 ways to live a better life. And we'd say, Mom, go ahead and spank us. We can't take all that (laughs) preaching. Paul prayed that hearts would be directed into the love of God and Christ's patience. Now may the Lord, 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 5. Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. Now uh, We joke about patience. We say, don't pray for patience, blah, blah, blah. I tell you what, pray for a deeper understanding of the love of God, and you'll be patient. The story is not over. This kind of love makes us God's children. He wants to be our dad. Behold, 1 John 3, 1, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God. Let's say that. I am a child of God. His love should be our demonstration to others. It should impact us so much that we want to love other people. Now, if you find that difficult, I'm not here to condemn you. Oh, you got to be more loving. No. May the Lord, as Paul prayed, bring To you, the fullness of understanding, all the dimensions of God's love for you and I. You gotta spend some time meditating on that, worshiping, asking him to fill your heart with that revelation. And you'll find it's easier to show his love to other people that are not always worthy. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives. For our brothers, 1 John 3, 16. Without love for others, we cannot know him. We just can't. Because it's demonstrated from others to us. So if you can't stand people, God is cut short of an avenue of showing you his love for you. And you're short-circuiting the avenue of revelation of his love. Look at what John wrote, 1 John 4. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Beloved, let us love one another, 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Verse 9 says, in this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, the full payment for our sins. He didn't pay for our sins and put our forgiveness on layaway. All right, I I got it started now. Here's the ticket now. You got to earn your way to get fullness of righteousness. No, he gave it to you freely. You know, to be forgiven a dead is awesome. To have your books in the red be put, the red removed is awesome. Forgiveness is great. But righteousness takes it a whole nother step. Our books were in the red. They're no longer in the red. Now our books are in the black. We've been credited with the righteousness of God because Christ became sin for us. Why? He loves us receive it. Verse 16 of 1 John 4, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. We love him because he first loved us. And he also says in that book, if you do not love your brother who you can see, how can you love God who you cannot see? So this spills over This is what makes a church healthy, is knowing they are loved to the point they want to make him known to others. Get excited that other people know how loved they are by the Lord. Get to show somebody. Watch this.
1: God is love. So what does that mean for us? It means that every time we show love to those around us, we're reflecting who God is. When we're patient with our family and friends, when we're kind to a stranger, we reflect God's love. It's not about jealousy, but contentment. It's not about arrogance, but humility. When we abandon our resentfulness toward one another, we reflect God's love we speak out on injustice and rejoice in the truth, we reflect God's love. When no matter what happens, we continue to hope and trust in God. When we endure through the trials of every relationship and yet still hold tight to love, we are reflecting God to those around us. Reflecting his always trust Always Hoping. Never Ending. Love.
0: I heard of a church in Argentina where the pastor would not change subjects till he was sure that people had it. So he would preach the same sermon. For weeks, his name was Juan Carlos Ortiz. For weeks, I know you all don't have it. I'm going to preach it again, preach it again, preach it again. This is one of those subjects that I think could be preached every week, and it would be relevant. I'm not saying I'm going to do that. It would be very relevant. Why? Because we need to keep ourselves in the love of God. It's so easy for life's circumstances, traditions, the way we were programmed, the way we were raised, our opinions, our prejudices to trump what God is wanting to do in us through the revelation of his love. So we need to keep ourselves in the love of God. Jude, the brother of the Lord Jesus Christ, had this to say, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. I believe in praying in the Spirit, but some people pray in the Spirit and they're mean as a stepped-on snake. Why? They miss the whole point of praying in the Spirit is to pray in the Spirit to what point you can't help but go love somebody. You love the Lord. So this is about more than just talking in an unknown tongue. This is about talking words of life that bring revelation to yourself and to others. And we do this praying in the Holy Spirit to keep ourselves in God's love. Why? The enemy doesn't want you to stay there. Be loved. Stay loved. Live loved. Keep loved. And help others do the same. Not valuing his love is unpleasing to the Lord. You're going to see this. I mentioned this earlier. The church in Ephesus got a personal letter from the Lord Jesus. Who knows that's important? Now, some people discredit these letters by saying, well, they're written to church ages. And now we're living in the church age of Laodicea. And it's hard to put that together in terms of church history as to where all the other ages fit in. These are not church ages. These are actual churches, and every letter is relevant to us today. This church had it going on. They had all the works right. They had all the behavior going on. But they had left their first love. What is the first love? It's the love of God because he loved us first. What is this? This is an invitation to an intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We forgot about relating to him, being so busy in all of our noble activities. Do not leave behind the reason for it all, the love of God. Hallelujah. I'm not mad, I'm just excited. So where where are we in this love walk? Let's say things go wrong. Let's say... Church is over and the streets are iced. Are we going to fall apart because we have to spend the day together because it's not safe to drive? We get an opportunity to demonstrate God's love to the most annoying amongst us. Whatever comes our way, God's love is constant. It's like gravity, gravity is a constant. If you don't believe it, just jump off the roof. (laughs) If gravity was not a constant, then we would have problems in the world. Cars would be flying in the air, and it's a problem with our culture. They're, They're trying to deal with things that should be constant by throwing all the social order into chaos. But God's creative order is not chaotic in that gravity is a constant. And therefore, because it's predictable, we can fly planes, we can sail boats, We can drive cars, we can walk, but when we forget it, we suffer consequences, right? God's love is a constant, and when we forget it, there could be consequences. Distracted, sidetracked, pouting, jealousy, envy, competition. I think you got the point. In the 1800s, as a four-year-old, Frederick Lehman immigrated to the States with his parents from Germany, and they settled in Iowa, where he grew up as a farm boy. And in his adult years, he got into business, found himself in California, and then the business wasn't going so well, and Frederick Lehman now finds himself in Pasadena, California, packing lemons and oranges. I wonder if his name taunted him during those days. Yeah, Frederick Lemon. Here we go. Lemon. I don't know. When life hands you lemons, make lemonade, right? But he loved the Lord, and he went to church on a Sunday night and heard a sermon on the love of God that so revolutionized him he could hardly sleep. The next day at work, he began to write phrases on scraps of paper and crates and cardboard, the boxes he was writing on, and a song began to be born. And the chorus was, O love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong it shall forevermore endure, the saints' and angels' song. And as he began to work on the verses, he went home on his old piano, began to work out the melody, and wrote an amazing melody. O love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints' and angels' song. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. That's Adam and Eve. God gave his son to win. His erring child he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. That's the gospel. I love that. The second verse, when hoary time, that's ancient time, shall pass away, and earthly thrones and kingdoms fall, when men who here refuse to pray, on rocks and hills and mountains call, God's love so sure shall still endure, all measureless and strong redeeming grace to Adam's race the saints and angels song oh love of God how rich and pure how measureless and strong it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels song he needed a third verse in that day and time the early 1900s a song wasn't considered a a complete song for church unless it had three verses now it seems traditional churches don't want to sing all the verses in a hymn. They'll sing the first and third verse. I, I'm pushing for to be whole hymn churches, amen? But also nowadays, a song doesn't even have to have one verse. Somebody said a song can only have three words and it's considered a song now. So he needed a third verse and he just couldn't come up with it. And then he remembered he had a poem written on a bookmark that had come from the walls of a prison or a mental hospital where someone had died, and the painters came in and were going to paint the wall and saw this amazing poem. And they copied it down before they painted the wall. And here's the words. It was discovered later to be a rabbi's poem written originally in Hebrew. And uh, maybe the prisoner was the one that had translated it. We don't know. It's an amazing verse. Could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry nor could the scroll contain the whole Those stretch from sky to sky. Let's sing it. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints' and angels' song. So it's our song because his love is experienced. And the angels, I don't know that they sing, but they marvel at our song because we sing the song of the redeemed, something they kind of look at from without, and yet they serve God's redemptive purposes. We're talking today about honoring the love of God based on these two verses as the praise team goes ahead and comes on up. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Lord, we pray that you would dwell in our hearts through faith. And that we would be rooted and grounded in love, Lord. Let this be a reality, not just a sermon, but a way of life. That we may be able to comprehend with all the saints, Lord, may every member of the body of Christ in this community and beyond be able to comprehend the width, the length, the depth, and the height of the love. That you have for us, Lord. May we realize how much your love passes our understanding, passes our knowledge. Lord, may we understand that. Its vastness, its immensity, its immeasurableness, Lord, is something that is mind blowing. And Lord, may we be filled with your fullness. Lord, I pray for every member of this church, Lord. May you be Lord in every circumstance. May we allow you to be, Lord, because we know you love us. And, Lord, may we be obedient to your word because we know you love us. And may we walk in alignment with the steps your Spirit is leading us to because we know you love us. Thank you, Lord.
2: standing at your door my heart is calling yours come fall into my
0: God meant for you to hear this. It has nothing to do with me. It has to do with his love for you and I. And he knew you were going to be here today. He knows everything. And he knows your need for a revelation of his love. And he knows why you need it. He even knows why you may find it hard to receive. But there's some things he doesn't know. He doesn't know of a better day to take advantage of his love than today. And he doesn't know of a better candidate to enjoy his love than you. No one is better than you. Yeah, but I've done some stuff. Yeah, he's going to use that to demonstrate his love. Yeah. May Christ's love dwell in your hearts by faith. I sang this little song at five years old, and the Lord became real to me. And I knew he loved me, and it started there. I know the little song, Yes, Jesus Loves Me, but it didn't hit me personally like it did when I sang this little song. Come into my heart. Come into my heart. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come in today. Come in to stay. Come into my heart. Lord Jesus. Can we sing that together and you sing with us? Come into my life. 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 Lord Jesus. Come in today. Come in. Today, come in to stay, come into my life, Lord Jesus. He so loved the world, he gave a son for you and I, who paid the price for our sin. The punishment you feel you deserve, he took upon himself so that you and I could go free. That is the gospel. Amen. Let's pray this prayer together. Oh, God in heaven. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. And I call upon his name. Jesus, save me. I believe you died for my sins. I believe you've risen from the dead. dead. Come into my life life. and be my Lord Lord. today, Today. tomorrow, Tomorrow. and from now on, Lord. Don't be afraid. I am your strength. I love you like a child because you are my child. (laughs) You may be wild, but I'm meek and mild and I will tame you down and lead you to walk in my love. I believe that's God's word for you and I. Can we stand? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, the peace that passes understanding, the peace that comes from knowing you are loved no matter what has been done in the earth. In Jesus' name, go get him, tigers. Don't be afraid. (laughs) He is our strength.